0: Terms and conditions apply.
1: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
2: CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep.
3: Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Mark Moss Show where we talk about the decentralized revolution, the way the world is, of course, changing right before our very eyes, going from a world of centralization, central planning, central control, to a world of decentralization, as we look at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. It's always technology that changes the world more than anything, and we have a world-changing technology in Bitcoin. Now, I'd like to bring to you, you know, some some stories, some education, some late-breaking news, and of course, some guests so you can hear from people other than me. And I have a returning guest in the studio with me today, Mark Goodwin. He is the director of print editorial at the Bitcoin Magazine. Um, you can find him on Twitter at Mark Goodwin underscore In. And uh, anyway, Mark, thanks so much for coming back on today and talk to me.
4: Yeah, Mark, thanks for having me on, man. Uh, great, great to be back. Uh, lots going on. I know we last time we got together, we talked about a lot of the things we're we've witnessed in the last few weeks. You yeah. know, bank failures, people realizing duration risk ordinals exploding. So, uh, yeah, it's great to be back. And, uh, yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah. I
3: know, um, last time you were on was, uh, kind of right when this whole, uh, Bitcoin ordinals thing started and we were kind of like uh, hypothecating a little bit of like what potentially could happen uh, for everybody just paying it, uh, you know tune in that maybe doesn't understand what that is Bitcoin ordinals is kind of like this weird word um, it's basically uh, a technological advancement if you will something new that's being done on the Bitcoin blockchain um, for you know ease of ease of terms basically um, ordinals has been a way the main use case so far has been kind of putting these NFTs most of you have heard of NFTs by the, by now meme coin things like that and now they're putting them onto the bitcoin blockchain as opposed to on you know other blockchains and so that seems to be kind of the main use case for that right now um and uh lately like like this week it's been causing a lot of uproar in the bitcoin uh, space for a bunch of reasons so kind of uh, maybe maybe break down you know kind of what they are and maybe what some of the potential use cases of them are for right now for us mark
4: yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, it was uh, some tooling made uh, by a Bitcoin dev uh, in San Fran in the Bay Area, uh, Casey Rotemore. Um and the, kind of the the general idea of it, um, you know, at its core, is it allows you to store arbitrary data uh, into financial transactions in a way that is uh, as as least harmful as possible to the to the Bitcoin. Why do blockchain. you say arbitrary? So, I say arbitrary, um, it's maybe not the best word, but uh, it's kind of the, the word du jour. Um, but I mean arbitrary in the sense that it's not innately uh, a financial transaction or rather that the data that's inscribed um, is not directly, uh, you know, it's not input or signature data relating to an actual financial exchange. You're actually putting in, you know, a file. Uh, you know, all Bitcoin transactions really are just, you know, uh, you know they're, they're just bytes Um, And that's how transaction fees are actually calculated. Um, And so I say arbitrary data because it's, uh, you know, it's uh, an alternative uh, use case to strictly using Bitcoin as a database for just a financial exchange. So, you know, the first use cases we're seeing, you know, it's it's a little bit of kind of a a rehash of some of the speculatory commodity, uh, you know, stuff we've seen in the NFT space extended. Um, you know, with JPEGs and movie files and and things like that. And now we're kind of starting to see we're a couple months away from, you know, this this, uh, tooling being launched. And now we're kind of starting to see people grok some of the things we talked about a, a little while ago, actually, like some of these alternative use cases, like you know, uh, you know, data that you want preserved, whether that's, uh, the, you know, a King James Bible, whether that's an STL 3d printed gun file, um, whether that's a, a JSON pointer for some, you know, token mechanism that people are building. So we're seeing all these kind of new use. Have cases they, have they put a King James up. Bible on there? Yeah, they have mm-hmm. that fits. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's, there's obviously technical limitations to how much, arbitrary data you can put in um, and obviously the biggest limit being this four megabyte uh, block weight um, that was put in with SegWit um, and uh, you know in Ordinals inscriptions use that um, segregated witness um, block extension um, to, to very cheaply uh, and efficiently it's very low validation cost for nodes um, and you can throw in uh, you know up to you know just under four megabytes um into a block um, and i suppose so you could break
3: it that. into multiple blocks too potentially right so absolutely if it was the king james bible that didn't fit and maybe
4: it takes two or three blocks or something like that a- absolutely 100 yeah they can self-reference each other um and you could absolutely inscribe i be- believe actually you're totally right i think the bible was done over four Um, blocks. yeah, Um, And not full blocks either, but four transactions.
3: Yeah, when you think about it, you know, uh, throughout history, something I've been pounding the table on, last week I did a whole segment on it and I kind of talked about today as well, but um, I was, uh, I, I picked it up, I think it was Matt Taibbi Maybe it was Michael Schellenberger. It's the censorship industrial complex, and yes. how really it's uh, just massive censorship, and it's censorship on our movement, censorship on our uh, communication, censorship on our transactions, but it's censorship of everything, and they need that to maintain control. And um, censorship of of communication and materials has been part of every power that be, has, you know, going back through history, uh, whether that's the Roman Empire, you know, the, the Protestant Reformation, the 1500s, et cetera. And so there's always information that they're going to try to destroy. There was the that that book uh, Fahrenheit 451 where they went and just you know burned up all the books, right? Um, and so trying to preserve history, uh, trying to preserve you know books, uh, the Bible has been one of those books that's been under attack, you know, since the beginning. Um, and so there's there's a there's a thousands of years of history that show why it would be important to uh, have a way to do that. And what I like about it is like you know the printing press obviously changed the way that you could print Bibles You used to do do it by hand, uh, word by word. Um, But then you could print them in mass. And you know, for decades, there's been groups that, you know, smuggle them in and out of countries and things like that. Uh, But now it can be sent digitally, anywhere in the world, right. And so kind of going back to money, and really, for me, it's something I've been kind of talking about with the Bitcoin uh, space for a long time, where the first killer app is money. But if we think about money as communication, or money as stored value, well, then it starts to expand what we consider value in communication. And then it allows us to share value, share communication instantly, and censorship resistant. It's it's pretty big. Other use cases, I think it was Michael Saylor was talking about this week, like uh, potentially like a a will. Yeah. So like if I have a living will, you know, we've all seen the movies where, you know, someone from my family breaks into my office and changes my will or something like that. Like that could be a pretty big deal. I mean, there's, who knows how many use cases there are for stuff like this.
4: Yeah, data durability and immutability is, a, I mean, a, a priceless, you know, asset, really. I mean, the thing that we really love about Bitcoin as a technological tool, it allowed us to move money over time and space uh, with, you know, unbelievable efficiency. Um, what, what are we really moving across time and space? It's information, durable information right. that, uh, you know, we can sign uh, and have property rights for, and and applying that to again, quote unquote, arbitrary data. Um, you know, I, I I see that as sort of this just it's it's almost not even an alternative use case in, in the sense that it is it, it it's really just utilizing Bitcoin as a as an open ledger and a database um, with a dynamic block market. You know, you're buying block space anytime you want to make a transaction. That's how you get the censorship-resistant quality. There's an auction for block space every ten minutes, and uh, you know, pay the fee, get in the block, um, and that's kind of always what it's been. And now people are kind of seeing, oh, there's 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 more to it than this. Um, and that's not to say that obviously, you know, the financial monetary revolution that is Bitcoin is the most important thing. Um, you know it's a truth revolution and 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 downstream of truth uh you know it, it can be arbitrary data storage yeah
3: yeah and again you just have to kind of go and expand like what is money well, money is communication, money is value. Okay. It's a, it's a transfer of value. Okay. Well then what is value? And so then all of these things sort of fit into that. Right. And so you just kind of have to start thinking bigger. Um, that's kind of the way that I look at it, but I know there's some dangers that we've been talking about, you know, congestion on the blockchain, high fees. Um, you know, now there's talks of, um, you know, changing the code. I mean, all types of stuff like that. You're listening to the Mark Moss show talking about the decentralized revolution. I'll be back with more in a minute. Don't go away. It's that time of year again. The U.S. Mint is making the new 2024 American Silver Eagle and American Gold Eagle coins, and there's no better time to buy than now. Gold rose 23% in the past 13 months, and silver's up 27%. Plus, they're both still climbing. Get the newest gold and silver coins of the year from my trusted friends at Universal Coin and Bullion by calling 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their company president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, is America's gold expert, and he recently met with financial guru Steve Forbes to discuss trends in Precious metals and both experts agree that gold could hit 2500 an ounce in 2024. That's nearly a 25% gain from today's price per ounce. If you want to make a sound money investment, then add gold and silver to your portfolio now and keep adding as part of your regular investment strategy. Gold's been used as money for over 2500 years. Call Universal Coin and Bullion at 1 800 UCB Gold. That's 1 UCB Gold. Or check out slash.
1: Explore more stories like Shana's at Meta.com slash Metaverse Impact.
3: All right, welcome back. If you just tuned in, you're listening to the Mark Moss show. I'm sitting down with Mark Goodwin. He's the director of print editorial at Bitcoin Magazine. And we're talking about um, big changes that are happening on the Bitcoin blockchain and really to the crypto space overall, we would say because it's really disrupting the entire crypto space. You know, we saw Maybe the biggest use case for the crypto space, you know, Ethereum, etc., over the last year has been NFTs and meme coins, and now they're coming over to Bitcoin, which I, th- I think is pretty interesting. Um, good, there's good and bad, like everything. There's trade-offs, right? And so um, we were talking about before the break, sort of uh, what they're really buying is just space on the on the block, right, on the blockchain. And so now we're seeing congestion on the blockchain. All these, these NFTs are buying up all the space. And then when it buys up all the space, it starts to push up the fees. So now it's more expensive to send Bitcoin, things like that. Um, and we're starting to see a revision of you know the 2017 block size wars. And uh, people are saying, we need, to make, uh, big, we need to make the blocks bigger to fix this. I think it's, uh what is that saying those who don't know history are bound to repeat it? And I think people should just go back and read that book. I mean, what's your take on this whole block congestion, <clears throat> high fee situation?
4: Totally. Well, I think there's a there's a lot to talk about. And I think it has a lot of implications for the success and, and future of Bitcoin. Um, and these are some realities that I think we need to acknowledge. Um, I think this is kind of the best, this kind of fee mania we're going through, or I would say maybe just went through with this very big public mint that bought up you know, megabytes and megabytes of block space. Um, It's a bit of a stress test for what Bitcoin uh, is going to look like uh, when we have 5 billion people, you know, trying to get in block space, uh, you know, every 10 minutes. Um, The reality of Bitcoin uh, at a mass adoption level is very high fees. Um, Fees that are priced in Satoshis, um, the atomic unit of Bitcoin. And so... uh, yeah, I think we're seeing, um, you know, kind of the first, you know, uh, in the modern era with kind of, you know, layer twos um, a, a bit more established than they were, say, in 2017, kind of the last time we saw block subsidy um, meet the block reward, uh, or rather fees meeting the subsidy. So just to break that down a little bit, when a miner wins a block, they, of course, get the subsidy. Um which is the uh you know the the uh, the issuance of new Bitcoin, um which is a set amount and it halves every four years. So right now we're six and a quarter. And then there's of course the fees that you get from the financial transactions that have paid to get in the block. And so this is the first time since 2017 where we've actually seen the fee uh, share of the total block reward be higher than the subsidy, and we saw that a couple days ago. Um. And uh, that is a reality that's going to have to happen. Uh, you know, we have a halvening a year away now, uh, and we have thirty, I think, maybe twenty-nine halvenings left after that. Um, and, and, and in which case, in around twenty-one forty, there will be no issuance at all, and it will be solely determined on if there is Bitcoin user activity uh, sustaining the miners, securing the network, and that's going to rely on fees being high. Um, so, so this that's, is kind that's of a nice reason
3: why high fees is a good thing.
4: Absolutely, 100%. I think uh, there's a lot of talk in in kind of the altcoin community you know, chirping about Bitcoin and when fees are really high, they go, okay, look, you can't scale. Fees are high. I can't buy coffee. And when fees are low, they say, oh, you have no security budget. You need tail emissions. And it's just, it's ridiculous. It's like, no, this is what Bitcoin is going to have to mature into. um, And there's going to be humongous demand. And there's some mathematical realities to the limitations of that demand. And, uh, you know, we can't, simply have eight billion people holding their own UTXO and transacting for all their day-to-day transactions on the main chain. It just can't happen. So we got lightning. Lightning also, of course, you know, it requires on-chain uh, touches when you open and close a channel. Um, you know there was a lot of worry of people that had opened up lightning channels, you know four years ago or three years ago, two years ago, when the fees were very low. And part of the trustlessness of these hash time lock contracts that uphold the trustlessness of, of, of Lightning, um, you know, you, you set your fees for the force closes at the time of open. Um, and some clients weren't ready to do replace by fee to be able to actually force close your channel in a high fee environment. Is that trustless if you can't close to the main chain, right? So there's a lot of stuff we have to look at and, and just be honest about scaling and where we're going to go. And I think this is a great stress test because it's going to subside. You know, the mania will, will, will die. And I think a lot of people look at this as, as an attack of some sort. And it's like, well, remember, this is Bitcoin. Thanks, thanks for paying our miners and wasting all of your, your Bitcoin, uh, you know, doing this quote-unquote spam attack, if that's what this is. Um, you've sustained the market and fed our miners. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and now we get to learn from it. That's really how I look at it.
3: Yeah, I, I've been kind of looking at it the same way. And just so for everybody that's kind of catching up on this, if it's a little bit over your head, you know, you can send Bitcoin on the main blockchain, which is final settlement. Um, and now it's congested. So it's costing you a little bit more money, but you can move it over lightning for almost instant and free. And so if you want to buy the coffee, send it over lightning. Now people say, but it's centralized. Well, it's more centralized. But for a cup of coffee, what do I care? If I'm going to buy a house, I mean, what's the big deal? It's cheaper than a wire transfer. So I'll just do it that way. So you can choose what your fee level is, how much security you want. And so that's great. I think I think more security is better. I'd also say some of this uh, potential attack seems like there's some credibility there because it looks like a lot of the stuff that's being posted on there is just garbage. Um, and so potentially it is, but to your point, well, they're going to run out of money and thanks for <laughs> paying, paying for more security, which is interesting. But one thing I saw that to me, seems a little bit um, concerning is uh, Luke Deshar, uh, mm-hmm. or however you pronounce his last name.
4: Dashir? I believe. Uh,
3: I mean, he's been a Bitcoin core developer, you know, for a long time, for over a decade. And, you know, he obviously hates ordinals. And now he's talking about um, how we could create another software update to stop them by treating them as spam um, that would filter out, you know, taproot transactions that have ordinals in it. And I'm mm-hmm. um, w- Already, I thought, and I think maybe we talked about this on the last show, was like, um, you know, do we need to be more thoughtful about changing the Bitcoin blockchain? Because now we have unintended consequences. And now it's like, what are we going to do? We're going to have this knee jerk reaction. We're constantly trying to like change, change, change. Um, and I think that's a dangerous situation to get in. I don't know what your opinion is on that.
4: Yeah, totally. I mean, I think there's two big things there. The first one being one of the most important Bitcoin developers who was uh, essential in figuring out how to do SegWit as a soft fork. Hates a humongous amount of the activity on Bitcoin right now, and yet is actually pretty powerless to being able to do anything to stop it. Which is a beauty of Bitcoin, a censorless, censorship-resistant public good. Um, and I, I respect Luke's uh, opinion. I, I disagree, in, in some ways, I mean, who, you know, what, what does that matter? But um, <laughs> I, I think so. I think that that's really important. And then as, as regards to the, in regards to the knee-jerk reaction stuff, um, I think we should ha- be having a knee-jerk reaction to the realities of what we just went through in a high fee environment. And if we're going to look at a change to Bitcoin, which I think inevitably, I mean first off, we have to literally fork um, just to fix the overflow bug. We have a lot of time to deal with that. There's just a little time stamping over- overflow bug that's a very easy fixed, but we do need to fork to fix it. So there is an inevitability of that. But I think we got to look at the realities of what we just went through with, with as a fee market. Make sure we're ready to really scale to layer two and beyond. You know, uh, we're going to need financial services to service eight billion people, five billion people, one billion people. Yeah. Um, so I do hesitate uh, and 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 want you know those to really think about this. And yeah, yeah, let's not move too fast and break stuff. There's a reason why we did Segwit, we did Taproot, and we have yep. the discount witness, and we should you know remember that. Um, and learn from the high fees. And get I got to, I got to
3: cut you off there because I got to take a quick break. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mark Moss Show. Sitting down with Mark Goodwin. We're we'll back with more in a minute. Don't go away. We got more to come. In. It's that time of year again. The U.S. Mint is making the new 2024 American Silver Eagle and American Gold Eagle coins, and there's no better time to buy than now. Gold rose 23% in the past 13 months and silver's up 27%. Plus, they're both still climbing. Get the newest gold and silver coins of the year from my trusted friends at Universal Coin and Bullion by calling 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their company president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, is America's gold expert, and he recently met with financial guru Steve Forbes to discuss trends in Precious metals and both experts agree that gold could hit 2500 an ounce in 2024. That's nearly a 25% gain from today's price per ounce. If you want to make a sound money investment, then add gold and silver to your portfolio now and keep adding as part of your regular investment strategy. Gold's been used as money for over 2500 years. Call Universal Coin and Bullion at 1 800 UCB Gold. That's 1 UCB Gold. Or check out universalcoin.com
1: explore more stories like alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact
3: all right if you just tuning in you're listening to the mark Moss show i'm sitting down with mark goodwin he's the director of print editorial at bitcoin magazine and we we're talking about the changes that have been going on on the bitcoin blockchain space and the crypto space overall uh this week it's been a lot of noise and so we we're just talking about that if you're just tuning in you know um You were talking about, uh, right before I had to cut you off, we had that commercial break, but um, how, you know, it's a good test. It's a stress test. And we grow through stress. We need stress because that shows us where we need to grow. Um, It helps us grow. And so from that perspective, I think it's a good thing. Um, I'm curious, do you think, I mean, I'm a free market guy, so I think the free market sort of figures this thing out. Um, It seems like if... And again, we kind of, I said earlier, you know, looking at some of these, the stuff that's been put on there, it does look like it's spam. But even yeah. if it's not spam, even if it's a legitimate JPEG or whatever, um, don't you think at some point, I mean, the market takes care of that? We're like, hey, this is too slow and it's too expensive. Let's just go to BSV, you know, <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> Let's just go to where the big blocks already are. And so at some point, the market sort of starts pricing that out. I would think monetary transactions are always going to be willing to pay more than a JPEG would pay.
4: Yeah, uh, 100%. And and I actually think that's, you know, kind of to the last the last segment there where we were talking about things we could actually do to limit spam. You know, one of the things we could do, you know, or really the only thing we could do is make it more expensive. Um, you know, people are always had the ability to put arbitrary data into Bitcoin. So the restrictions that we would we would put in would really just um, increase the cost for the user to imbue data. Um but probably only by a factor of two or four, um, just depending on the limitations of the protocol, what you can actually, uh, you know, make make the block space more expensive. The market, if that's enough to, you know, to to stop these transactions, the market is going to two x, four x, ten x, a hundred x, in fees. Uh, you know, anytime there's that there, there's sort of this this demand. Uh, you know, explosion. So the market is is, is already going to be uh, pricing these JPEGs out. Um, and you're exactly right about the financial transactions versus this this these JPEG or this arbitrary data. Is that they take advantage of this SegWit discount, and so they're priced lower than inputs and outputs, which are not part of the Segregated Witness, and they pay the full weight of the fee. So financial transactions will innately, um, uh, you know, cost more and be weightier. Uh, and that's how the Bitcoin actually looks at financial transaction fees, right? The Bitcoin fees on the main layer aren't based on the the financial value of the transaction. It's the bite size. Um, so there we are again. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think financial transactions will absolutely outpace. Um, and these large transactions simply won't scale. Um, it's going to be unbelievably prohibitively expensive to put in large files um, when there's any sort of demand on block space.
3: Yeah. So get all those important books, like the Bible and your three gun somatics and get all those in now.
4: (laughs) Yes, exactly. Absolutely. still Like, what do you want to preserve? Yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah. Well, it's still there. Get it in there. But I mean, you know, I think also you kind of have to put these things into perspective. And so it's certainly too much money and takes way too long for a cup of coffee. But if you want to preserve your will, like, I mean, dude, you pay a thousand bucks to preserve your will. Like, so what? Right. (laughs) Um, so I think it kind kind of depends that way. Um, We are talking about, you know, something again, back to, I've been talking about a lot is this, this censorship. And so, um, the censorship complex, um, and we're seeing it happening all over big news this week, um, came out, you know, Elon Musk seems to have, um, I'm always skeptical, but seems to have really taken over Twitter to kind of really help the free speech, uh, you know, effort, let's say, um, exposing, you know, the things with the Twitter files, things like that. Um potentially, it looks like he's now even opening up his platform for Tucker Carlson to come over from Fox News. And as we were kind of talking before the break, he's even bringing on a new CEO and launching things like encrypted chat. Um, How do you view like a centralized uh, app like this kind of moving into this kind of war on free speech and encryption, et cetera?
4: Yeah, absolutely. It, 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 I think you kind of nailed it there. There's sort of this weird, uh, almost oxymoron of like, you know we're defeating the gatekeepers by creating this all in centralized app where uh we can have Tucker Carlson and we can have uh, you know kind of uncensored socratic discourse right it is sort of strange and and i agree with you i kind of you know i have my reservations about musk but also i think what he's done you know recently in regards to you know me being a free speech absolutist i think you kind of sort of have to tip your hat to that yep um and that's why we're seeing Tucker Carlson has who, you know, his audience is millions and millions. And to go to Twitter, I think is a very, that's a signpost, you know, um, of this sort of, you know, as you say, the decentralized revolution in a way. He can shoot it out of his home and post it right online, um, you know, to the marketplace of ideas. Um, I think that there's some interesting things of, you know, where X or sort of Twitter this kind of WeChat USA thing will go. Um, I'm very curious cause you know, I do hesitate. I think yeah. when centralization happens to an app, I, I get worried cause I've been burned so much, you know, I had Whitney Webb on, um, yeah. I don't know, a week or two
3: ago and you know, her, her thinking, she, she's not a fan of Elon Musk. Um, right. You know, and, and to your point, I think, I think, you know, one thing that people lack, the public lacks these days is nuance. And so you don't have mm-hmm. to be 100% all in on somebody or out on somebody. There's, to your point, there's things that he's done that I like and I think are good. And there's things that he's done that I don't think are good. And so I don't have to be all in on anything. Um, but, you know, her kind of viewpoint, and I, and I tend to agree with her, is that um, everything that we're seeing and discussing and fighting over is a distraction. Russia, Ukraine, China, Taiwan, (laughs) a cultural war in the United States. Like uh, all of this is all a distraction. And distracting us from what? Well, distracting us from the ultimate goal. What's the ultimate goal? The ultimate goal is putting us into his digital panopticon, where we have Mm -hmm. digital passports that restrict our movement, digital passports for our money, and and it's total digital control. And so she says that is the ultimate goal. And uh, Putin is saying, hey, the West, they're for transitioning kids and cultural this and that, and like they're the devil. He's fighting the war against globalism, and that looks good, but he's trying to put a CBDC in as well. Right, Um, And so back to Musk, it's like, uh, well, he's on our side, right? But he's leading us to the same place (laughs) they want to lead us to. I've seen Ron DeSantis. He seems like a champion for freedom and free speech. And I support a lot of things that he does. But yet in Florida, they're trying to roll out a digital ID. So it's like they're... All roads lead to the same goal, right? And and I think that's the danger. And to your point, like a WeChat in China, that's like a main source of control if we have all that in there.
4: Yeah, I have I have some uh you know, I just just some fear of kind of controlled opposition, uh, and some of this like kind of Hegelian dialectic playing out where, you know. We all, you know, turn and look towards, you know, the thought leaders that are coming out after this, you know, the, the COVID insanity and in the, these lockdowns. And I look at some of these these people and I and I kind of see, hey, wait, we're you're kind of pushing us towards that panopticon that kind of led to this this disaster in the first place and. Um, and I and so I do have I do have some worry sometimes about that. And I, I think Whitney is right. I think she's she's a genius. She's an incredible journalist. I look up to her, um, absolutely. I read all of her stuff, um, and she does great pods. Great pods. And um, yeah, I agree with her. I do think it's a distraction. Um, and uh, you know, what is that final distraction? You know, from you know, it's well, it's financial control and and data surveillance. And um, you know, in many ways, I think we're marching ever faster to that. Um, and even sometimes I think some of the CBD talk is a bit of a red herring where it's like, you know, we know vault seven, we know what, you know, Julian released. And we've seen that the NSA does spy on its own citizens. And we do know that, uh, you know, all of our data is stored and, and these are walled gardens that are not really that walled. So, uh, you know, I can't, I can't really imagine financial surveillance being much worse than it is, um, you know, knock on wood, of course. <laughs> well, don't say that <laughs> it could
3: certainly, you know, a CBDC, you know, is, is programmable. So surveillance is sure. like, we'll catch you and we can do something. Whereas I think the right. programmable is like, we can preemptively do it. So you're yeah, guilty until yeah. guilty until proven innocent. So to, so to speak, you know, um, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mark Moss show, of course, we're always talking about the decentralized revolution and, I'm in studio with Mark Goodwin, the director of print editorial at the Bitcoin Magazine. Of course, the largest gathering of Bitcoiners will be in Miami next week at the Bitcoin Conference. We'll be bringing a lot of content to you from there. Um, Check that out, the Bitcoin Conference, if you're gonna be there, uh, hit me up. I'd love to hear from you. We got more coming up. I wanna dig into a little bit more stuff, see if we can find a couple more crumbs here. So don't go away, we'll be back with more in a second. Be right back. It's that time of year again, The U.S. Mint is making the new 2024 American Silver Eagle and American Gold Eagle coins, and there's no better time to buy than now. Gold rose 23% in the past 13 months and silver's up 27%. Plus, they're both still climbing. Get the newest gold and silver coins of the year from my trusted friends at Universal Coin and Bullion by calling 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their company president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, is America's gold expert, and he recently met with financial guru Steve Forbes to discuss trends in Precious metals and both experts agree that gold could hit 2500 an ounce in 2024. That's nearly a 25% gain from today's price per ounce. If you want to make a sound money investment, then add gold and silver to your portfolio now and keep adding as part of your regular investment strategy. Gold's been used as money for over 2500 years. Call Universal Coin and Bullion at 1 800 UCB Gold. That's 1 UCB Gold. Or check out universalcoin.com slash All right. Welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mark Moss show, of course, always talking about the decentralized revolution. And I am in studio with Mark Goodwin, the director of print editorial at Bitcoin Magazine. If you're not subscribed, you should be. Check it out. Bitcoinmagazine.com. Now, you know, just before the break, we were talking about how I was doing an interview with Whitney Webb. If you're not following Whitney Webb, you should definitely check her out as well. Um, but she was saying everything is a distraction to the ultimate goal. Um, uh I I'm, I'm, I live on the beach in, in California, but uh, about, a, about two years ago, I bought a ranch out in Texas, and I got some cows and some goats, and I'm kind of figuring that whole thing out. I don't live there full time. Um, and I was using this analogy with her where uh, I don't know anything about animals, right? Uh, not, not, not livestock. And we had these baby goats, and we were trying to get them from the pen because uh, our baby goats were disappearing every night. We'd wake up, they were gone. Some animal predator or whatever is getting them. So that was devastating for us. So we were trying to get the, the baby into the horse stables at night to protect it. So how do you get a goat, a, ba- a mama goat and a baby goat out of a pen and move it, uh, you know, a couple acres into a, a horse stable? I, I mean, cowboys know. I don't know. I don't know how to rope or whatever you got to do. So, um, but I do know how to use a carrot and a stick. So I literally got a carrot, like literally a carrot, which didn't work really well. Then I got this sweet feed and I put it in a, in a wheelbarrow. And then we dragged the wheelbarrow of sweet feed and the goat was trying to eat it and I could just lead it and then sometimes it would stop eating and it would get distracted and so then someone else would come behind it and kind of like scare it right and so with the carrot we were enticing it into the into the corral and with with scaring it right and it wasn't a straight line but we got it there so that's kind of that's kind of where we're at uh with this and so unfortunately all roads seem to be leading there uh I know that you're going to be hosting a panel with Whitney Webb um there at the Bitcoin conference, uh, which is going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to that. And talking about journalism, I'm curious your take on that because I see what she's talking about, reporting about. Man, you would think in today's day and age, it has to be pretty scary, uh, just being a journalist, being reporting on this stuff. I and mean, what's your thoughts on that?
4: Oh man, uh, yeah, I, you know, not to be you know egotistical or anything, but I do think about it, and I, and I've I've had people comment some strange things on. Uh, you know, I did this piece on. SBF and FTX and other three-letter agencies. And I talked a lot about, uh, you know, a lot of these strange connections and and some of these uh, things that, that have happened. This stablecoin programmer was drowned. And right before he drowned, he tweeted that he was, you know, being, uh, you know, set up and blackmailed by, uh, you know, uh, Israeli and American intelligence agents, yeah. and then he wound up dead on the beach. And um, I did a story on that, and I got some weird comments from people being like, hey, you're too young to kill yourself, but, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and I, I think it's, in, in a way, I, I kind of laugh at it because it's like, who am I, you know? Yeah. Um, but in another sense, it's like, it's very real. I mean, we see Julian Assange, he's in prison. He's been in prison for four years and exiled for longer. And it's, uh, you know, we don't have a free press, from the state standpoint, as well as, uh, you know, we, we know that there are dangers to this and we've seen a lot of whistleblowers and, uh, journalists come out that have unfortunately, uh, you know, made a sacrifice for the truth. Did you see, um, that um, is a reality? To, to,
3: to sidetrack a little bit, um, kind of going back to Schellenberger and uh, Matt Taibbi. Sure. They started some new organization, censorship, uh, I don't know. uh, I have to pull it up real quick. I'll pull it up when I'm talking. But um, they went, you know, after the Twitter files got released, they got pulled in front of a committee, right, in Congress. And uh, they were questioned, like, hey, who's your source? Where'd you get this information? On on and on and on. While they were being interviewed, the FBI went to Matt Taibbi's house and raided him. So then they used the long arm of the uh, weaponized IRS against him. But then, then... uh, Uh, MSNBC host, I forget her name, Medi, anyway, uh, she she did a story that basically um, said she debunked the Twitter files and it was all made up and it was all false. And then the congresswoman, Sherry, whatever her name was, said, um, hey, uh, she said that she debunked all that, so now you've lied to Congress, now you're facing five years in prison.
4: Yeah, it's... I mean, it's a rigged system, you know. In the same way, we acknowledge the monetary system. You know, we have these very special privileged debt partners. Uh, we have these very privileged, uh, you know, uh, judicial, uh, in, 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 you know, systemic infrastructure. Um, and uh, you know, th- this is unfortunately not a new thing. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. Um, you know, the powers that be sort of abusing and waltzing through. Um, you know these sort of court cases or 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 suits where you know citizens uh, that are doing any sort of uh pushing back on the oppression um, would would get hit with the full book um, I mean to me it's that's so insulting and and so scary um, it's it's incredibly disturbing that our government would do that um, meanwhile we you know our president is tweeting about how the leading candidate for the Republicans is a threat to democracy while we're jailing journalists uh, setting them up baiting them to come to court and then raiding their house while yeah. they're in court and you try to set them up for perjury I mean that's not a free. That's not a free press. If you don't have a free press, you don't have informed consent. Yeah. If you don't have informed consent, then you can't larp about democracy. I think it's pretty simple. Yeah. Um, yeah, to me it's very disgusting and I you know, I wish Matt the best. I think that's that's a horrible experience to go through. So it's
3: censorshipindustrialcomplex.org. So everybody listening, check out that website censorshipindustrialcomplex.org and join it join in on the fight. Uh, they say sunshine is the best disinfectant. So uh, check it out. Put your name in there. In there stay, stay up to date on that. So um, going back to introduce, uh, you know, interviewing Whitney Webb, uh, I was going to ask you, like, what are some of the big highlights? I mean, you're kind of on the inside working with Bitcoin magazine. Like, what are you expecting out of this event? Um, you know, maybe to learn who, you, who you're looking forward to seeing or big announcements or anything like that?
4: Well, I think it's just wild to think the, um, you know, and again, I think Bitcoiners are generally anti-state, which I agree with. But seeing the the evolution of the political influence uh, in the Bitcoin community, um, obviously, we had Bukele, you know, announcing legal tender a couple years ago, which was literally world changing. Yeah. Um, and now we have two uh, plus, you know, two or more uh, pr- presidential candidates that are going to be there speaking. Um. Yeah. And uh, shout out to Vivek
3: Ramaswamy. I had him on the show uh, last week, or I think it'll air this weekend. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, and then you have RFK RFK Jr. Right.
4: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Exactly. And they're on both sides of the aisle. Absolutely. Yeah. We have Tulsi Gabbard, who's kind of right in between. Um. You know. Uh. And I think that's really important. Um. I knew it was going to come. Um. That's why we did the Orange Party issue. Uh. With Bukele, kind of getting everyone prepared. You know. Hey. It's it's as much a call to arms as also you know. Let's make sure they're doing what they can for Bitcoin and not just you know putting a donation address on their website and and taking your money. like let's let's see what they have to say. And I think coming out to the open forum um, to be streamed to millions and and speaking in front of thousands, um, you know your ideas will will either win the room or not. And uh, I'm very excited that you know as a as a you know I, I look at our platform as a platform and as a free speech platform and seeing important people coming up, um, and wanting to spend their time, this, I believe this is RFK's first appearance on his campaign, which is just kind of, a, it's just a wild thing to think. So I'm really excited with that. Um, I think that's wild um, and speaks a lot for where the industry is going. Um, and then, of course, just anytime you can get in a room with Bitcoiners, Bitcoiners in real life, uh, it's a special place. Going to meetups has changed my life. Um, it's, there's nothing like it. And, uh, it's just a big party, big celebration. Um, and then we get to just see everyone's hard work that they've done since last year. Uh, if you haven't seen them in (laughs) in the, in the meantime, so yeah, lots of really interesting stuff, amazing art coming out, really good panels. Uh, there's going to be some really spicy debates, some really cool firesides. Um, yeah, it's a ball, man, Miami, it's, uh, it's, it's like nothing else. Yeah. It's going to be exciting. I'm going to be there. I'm speaking on two different
3: uh, panels on on different days. I'm doing a book signing there for the Uncommunist Manifesto. If you don't have a copy of that, go get the Uncommunist Manifesto. I'm doing a book signing. I'll be on the news desk one day. Uh, Lots of stuff I'm super excited about. If you're going to be there attending, well, first of all, if you're not, you should be. Um, Check it out. Go to the Bitcoin conference. You can get a discount with my code. Just put Mark Moss in there, and you get a discount. If you do get a ticket with my my code, um, I'm putting a little... Get together. So just hit me up on social media, and we'll get you information on that. Uh, But regardless, if you're going to be there, hit me up. I'd love to meet you. Uh, Like I said, we'll be doing that. And uh, man, that's it. You've been listening to the Mark Moss show, always talking about the decentralized revolution in studio with Mark Goodwin. Check him out on Twitter at Mark Goodwin underscore in director of print editorial at Bitcoin magazine, definitely get a subscription to that Bitcoin magazine.com. Check us out next week at the Bitcoin conference. And that's what we got. Thanks so much for
2: listening today.